Well, I think we have to think outside of the box. We need new ways to approach these problems. And the lack of technology in the hands of our operators has hindered agencies from being able to adopt and deploy a lot of um, paperless solutions. And we need to get past that barrier. I think it's really important if we're going to see transformation in our industry that we cross that barrier. One of the biggest issues facing the entire public transit industry across North America right now is getting and keeping people, and most especially drivers. That commercial driver's license just doesn't appear overnight. It takes six to eight weeks to train a driver. I'm Tris Hussey, and welcome to an episode of Inside Trapeze. And I want to welcome to the show, Christy Urich, who's the Product Director for Workforce Management. Christy, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. This is a really important topic, and I'm dying to dig into it. So what is... Give me a sense of the scope and the scale of this problem, especially for bus operators. I mean, how big is this issue? So transit's been impacted by this worker shortage, just like so many industries have and professions across our country. Um, A lot of agencies right now are running 10 to 30 percent below their optimal number of drivers, and it's affecting mechanics as well. So just keeping the buses repaired and in good state of repair is important too. Um, For a number of agencies, this means they have a hundred, hundreds vacancies. Uh, In New York, for example, at the start of this year, they had over 600 openings for subway, bus, and train crew. 600? 600. Wow. And it doesn't help when there's things like uh, WMATA had an issue where half their their train operators are now off the job needing to get recertified. So you you compound these things. This is a huge national scale problem. It's a challenge that started when we went into COVID. We shut down our training and a lot of classrooms could not be used. And so we had a normal attrition that would take place, 10, 20%. We were not replenishing for that normal attrition uh, agencies allowed employees to exit the workforce because they had shrunk service, and they looked at that as a way of cost savings. They didn't have to maintain them on the payroll. But now that we're trying to return to normal service level, um, we don't have the staff, and we don't. It takes so long to get that going again. Um, in the past, service planning would have been limited by the number of vehicles they had in their fleet, but now it's really limited by the number of people we have to drive those vehicles. And uh, we see a lot of agencies turning to overtime to try to fill that gap, but that's leading to other complications. They have more unplanned absences, more. Um, Long term, that's contributing to attrition. People are burning out, and that is compounding that shortage of workers even more. And, you know, an unhappy employee is not the best recruiter for your agency. So, we also have a morale issue, and we're trying to change the image of transit in the public so that we can really attract new employees. And it's not just COVID that it's hitting us. We're in what uh, you put in one of your presentations the silver tsunami that is hitting, I mean, it hit, it's hitting all industries, but especially in transit. What is that? How is that compounding things? We've been watching the statistic of the aging workforce over time, and we knew this curve of retirements was coming at us. And as we ran into the COVID years, uh, a lot of these older employees, they have higher health, underlying health conditions that put them at higher risk. 
a lot of them decided to exit the workforce at that point, not return, um, even when they've been given some pay incentives to try to extend that. And the other thing that's working against us is a lot of agencies in their collective bargaining agreements have these rules of three, the best three of the last five years or the highest paying three years or the last three years. And for those that are on that cusp of retirement, they're looking at that, they're maximizing their overtime right now. And we're about 18 months or so into this situation where we've been using a lot of overtime in our workforce, which means we're maybe a year and a half to maybe two years away from seeing quite a few of those older employees exit the workforce because they've hit some financial targets now that are going to give them the that pay that they've been looking for um, to enable them to retire. So we've anticipated this, but the planning that was put in place was not necessarily going to get us there in the beginning. And now with the problems of attracting and retaining and recruiting new employees, younger employees, it's made it even more difficult to backfill for these experienced people. And and part of that planning is financial. And you gave some, I think, just mind-blowing to me figures of how much it costs to hire at, you know, repl- the replace hire cycle uh, at an agency. I mean, it's tens of thousands of dollars. It is. And, you know, if there was a study conducted by the Community Transportation Association of America, and they looked at what the average training is, eight to 12 weeks, depending on whether employees come in with their CDL, what the requirements are for learning routes and all the different divisions, things like that. And not only do you have that, but you have the the leading weeks that that position's been vacant where you've been trying to recruit that person. So in the time that you're recruiting and you're onboarding and training this person, you're pri- probably paying other employees overtime to fill that work. That may have been three to six months worth of time. So if we take um, on an average salary of the National Rural Transit Assistance Program said that in 2020, the average salary was around 29,000. We're seeing that actually increase now as they have to become more competitive with wages. But even using that, figuring that a third of their year will be spent in training, invested, we're talking $10,000 just for the wages of that the trainees. And on top of that, we have the cost of the wages, the trainer. We have the assets that are being used during that training time. We have the overtime being paid to other employees. And now we're adding to that hiring bonuses. Uh, New Jersey Transit right now is offering about $6,000 if you have your CDL, $3,000 if you don't. First Transit in Minneapolis is offering a $5,000 signing bonus. Those That's significant money. So for an agency that's facing 20, 30% turnover, their operating budget this year may be 50% more than what they would have been planning for prior to the pandemic. So you've got people who are just left the profession, people who are aging out, and the costs are just going up and up to rehire them. And now this just cultural shift that the pandemic triggered, people are looking at work differently. You you talked about how women, millennials, generate Gen Z they have different values when it comes to work. And that's making this the recruitment and retention harder. How does that make it even worse or difficult? I think it is a challenge for human relations and the recruiting departments to think about how to attract new employees and what are the things they're looking for. There have been quite a few studies that have come out since COVID. We have entered this great migration, as they call it, or this experiment of work from home. 
It's created new um, perspectives on our work-life balance, and it's been fascinating for research and sociology. There's four points in a study I recently read that I thought were really relevant. For the first one being that 72%, three-quarters of the people, say that benefits would increase their job satisfaction. And as we all know, if we're happy with our job, we're more likely to stay. In the past, I feel like HR has come forward with benefits like pet insurance or long-term care for nursing home coverage when you age. Those are really not attractive for most of our younger workforce that we want to bring in. We need to find benefits that have value to them, meet them where they're at. What are their needs? They're trying to to create a household. They're trying to raise kids. They're dealing with their daily bills, um, a loan from school or an auto loan, things like that. What can we do to bring something forward that's going to give them a benefit? And we'll talk more about this later as well, but technology is one of those things that we learned in COVID is almost a utility that we all need, and we need it to interact in our society today on a day-to-day basis. Our kids need it to be able to do their schooling, not just for remote schooling when they can't be in the classroom, but teachers are using Google Classroom and other technologies like that just for the day-to-day things that they're um, doing for instruction. So investing in technology as one of the benefits would have immediate appeal to the people we're trying to recruit. It enables opportunities like e-learning. It can help us manage our annual training costs. Um, And, you know, we think about the, the folks we're trying to recruit. They may be young and looking for learning advancement opportunities. They may also be immigrants looking for an opportunity to take English language learning classes. Any of these things can be made accessible to them through that use of technology. Yeah, and we're going to talk more about this because you have some pretty radical, where we kind of t- dipped your toe in the water, these pretty radical ideas. But what are some of the other ways agencies are trying to fix this problem besides just throwing money at it? I mean, you, there, are, right. there are other things that need to come into it. There are. One of the things we need to look at is 50% of our workforce are women. And this study also showed that women want a more flexible work environment, whether it's nurture, nature, or the result of the opportunities women have, women still tend to provide more caregiving for children and for aging parents. So during COVID, they were often found caring for both of these groups. And we need to find a way to offer work that is attractive and fits into their need to balance these other demands in their life. So We already know that split shifts are really undesirable work. Employees on the lowest part of the totem pole tend to end up with this. Thinking about offering more part-time work, breaking those split shifts down. In other industries, they adopted ideas of job sharing between two part-time employees long ago. This is an opportunity for us to look at that concept of job sharing and allowing maybe a retiree and a person who's in a caregiving situation to both take part of that split, both be employed, and it becomes a win-win for everybody. And now we're grooming a group of people who, when those pressures of their life are away, can become full-time employees and be a contributor with experience and probably more loyalty to our industry because they've they were cared for and, and given these opportunities in a time of their life where they didn't have as many options. Now, we've talked about overtime and you and I've talked about overtime in the past where we're just burning people out. I mean, people have limits. One of the things we've talked about before is how automated bidding and self-service can help work out balance overtime and make this whole process better for employees. So 
how does how is this going to help factor into keeping and retaining people? One thing that employees want is more control over their own schedule, more awareness, and be less dependent on people. So they don't want to have to call in and talk to the dispatcher and ask, what was I assigned for work tomorrow? There are situations where if you have to go on-premise to bid, you may be dragging your kids because it's your off day and you don't have a babysitter. Those are not pleasant experiences for the employee. They really cut into your personal life. Having the ability to access that information at your fingertips, be able to make informed decisions, easily communicate, be able to communicate 24-7, it's going to make your employee more engaged. They're going to be happier about their experience in interacting with work. It's going to decrease the burden that it has on the other the other side. So dispatchers that, for example, in Southern Florida, there's a, an agency that told me when they post their extra board for the next day, they have a dispatcher that works that afternoon, two-hour window to field phone calls because they get over 300 phone calls every day. People wanting to know what their work is for tomorrow. And you're relying on verbal communication. There can be errors with that communication. So it's so much easier if we can substitute that with an automated text notification. We're so used to that in our experience as consumers. When we buy, we get things shipped to us. We can track them at a moment's notice. We should have that same kind of tool for employees to use and know exactly where and when they need to be to work, for example. And when they're preparing their bids, being able to look through and sort and filter and find work that's going to fit with maybe their life schedule and goals that they have and submit those bids from home and not have to be able to you know, deal with kids and delays. They can do it from the soccer field. Having all of those opportunities will help avoid attrition. It will help with overhead and efficiency. It'll capture that data electronically. It's auditable. There's a number of benefits that can help with the um, both on the operator side and the agency side. Now, you started talking about the technology side. And when we were talking about what we were going to talk about today, this really caught my attention. I've talked to a lot of people about these pretty radical ideas of using technology as a way to retain people and not just you know, like having automated self-service, but like as a benefit, technology as a benefit. Okay, this is huge. Well, I think we have to think outside of the box. We need new ways to approach these problems. And the lack of technology in the hands of our operators has hindered agencies from being able to adopt and deploy a lot of um, paperless solutions. And we need to get past that barrier. I think it's really important if we're going to see transformation in our industry that we cross that barrier. And we think about the other incentive programs that are being offered, which are costing, in some cases, thousands of dollars a year. Technology benefit might be in less than $100 per month, a much more reasonable cost. And with the buying power that agencies have, you may be able to negotiate rates for technology that's below consumer prices. So if we think about what do our employees need to be able to take advantage of these things, they need internet service, they may need cell phone or some type of a mobile device that they can use. You know, the uh, the cell phone industry has for a long time known that they can tie us into a loyalty program by offering some of these things with three-year contracts, for example. Why not make that a condition of employment that when you... You come in, you're, you're issued these technology tools, you're given the subsidy, and it's a commitment then that you're investing back into your job for that three-year period of time where there's maybe some payback penalties or something like that. 
When we think about the starting wages of our new employees, if they're trying to raise a family of three school children, there's a good chance they qualify for free and reduced lunch. And a lot of these children need access to internet at home. And as a parent, I'm going to be much more loyal to an employer who is helping me meet the needs of my children. We know these are employees who are in the middle of the digital divide. We know that can, we can solve a problem for them that may be plaguing them on a daily basis and do that through a very low-cost investment on our side. So I think that's something we need to think about. And how can we use that as well in attracting and recruiting? Think about the public relations campaign you could use if that was one of the incentives that you were able to offer with hiring. Yeah, because it, I, to me, it comes into like our Think Transit theme of the ripple effect. And if these these add-on effects that you talked about, not only just loyalty, but you think of the transit industry has been talking a lot in the past couple of years of being more interwoven in the community. And what better way to enrich a community than to say, okay, you join our transit agency and we're going to give you a cell phone. We're going to give you a computer and we're going to pay for internet access and we're going to pay for the cell phone. And if you stay for three years, they're yours. And in that time, how many kids get to use the internet for research at school where they might not before? It To me, it seems like the ultimate way to really bring communities together and be a full part of a community. We talk often about education and, and providing those opportunities for employees to advance. And a lot of times they don't have access to the tools they need outside of their work hours to be able to get those things done. I mean, it's an opportunity to grow our employees and and you know give them the tools that are now going to make us operationally more efficient and be able to do more things to serve them, as well as more complex ways that we can dish up the work, if you will. When we start to introduce more rules that allow for rotation and um, other ways to balance out the type of work a person can bid on, we can't do that through paper anymore. We need automated technologies to enable those things. So by enabling the employee with the technology, um, we now can do some really remarkable things with the way we run our agencies as well, which will make the work more attractive and make our workplace more attractive. So how are, how are we as trapeze helping bring this to life? How are we helping agencies make this massive digital transformation from paper, bulletin boards, calling the dispatcher to something automated and easy and fast. How are we adding to this conversation and this solving this problem? I think you know transit has had its vision of what it wants to accomplish in our neighborhoods and our economies and, and how it's going to make a difference in our environment. Trapeze shares in that goal. Um, the focus for our workforce management team, the products that I work with, is really on operational efficiency. And we've been partnering with agencies to build state-of-the-art employee self-service tools so that we can help make these dreams a reality. Trapeze's goal is to help move a billion people every day. And we will do that by helping our transit agencies be more successful in serving their riders. Um, our operational tools help with remote bidding. We provide timekeeping support to handle these complex uh, agreement rules that you have. We have uh, tools that let agencies introduce new models of work distribution so it's more attractive to the employees. And 
we help dispatchers respond to that unplanned work when there are absences, when there are interruptions. How do we help find the right person to get them on that work quickly to keep things running smoothly? We've been investing in these tools and working with our agencies so that we, from the driver all the way up to the C-level, are trying to understand the pain points that you have and respond with, with solutions. Yeah, yeah, and it's fantastic. Looking at the problem of retention and recruitment, with holistic solutions, not just, oh, we're going to pay people more money, but we're going to make the jobs attractive and we're going to make it easier for people to do their jobs and we're going to make it easier for people to advance. Those are the things that are going to make the difference. And it's going to help get transit, get over the hill. Because if we don't get over the top of this hill, it's it's going to be tough to, to meet these goals as an industry. Christy, this has been fantastic. Any last words about workforce management and retention and recruitment? that you want people to know? I think as we face these challenges, we have to acknowledge that, as you mentioned, it's it's the hill we want to get over, but it's not something that we can tie to an event like COVID. There's a compounding effect of all of the challenges that have been coming at us, and we have to think about this for the long term. We have to look at strategies that are going to move the needle, and we have to recognize that the workforce that we need to attract and retain have different expectations in the way they want to work and in the way they interact and their use of technology. And it's really important that we work collaboratively with our unions and our union representatives to think about some creative solutions for that. I think it's important that agencies spend a few minutes talking to their employees, understand what would make a difference. A quick survey would help you evaluate how valuable some of the technology benefits I've mentioned would be, and then weigh that out and think about what that can enable your agency to do. Let's get past the barriers that are holding us back from from really making some creative change. Absolutely. Fantastic. Christy, it's been a pleasure. Always great chatting with you. And it's been another edition of Inside Trapeze. 